Monday, December 10th, we said... Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome our first performer of the evening, Spike, to the stage. <laughs> What's up, y'all? All right, um, this guy is Paul Suntup, and he's a really, really cool poet. I think you guys should all check him out. This is a poem called Drinking Rum on Friday Night, and it's for Boo. I won't be here when you get home. The music has conspired with my rum and coke to take me in. When I start moving my head to the rhythm of the music, the lyrics reached out and grabbed me. I'm trying to get as much out as I can before I'm gone entirely. My head is in there right now. I'm tapping on these keys from memory. How am I doing? I have to pour the drink on the speakers to get at it. They don't mind. I see your shoulder in there for just a moment. It is bare and your shoulder blade is a mountain I want to climb. It has my left arm now. It's taking longer to write with one hand. Now I see your face and reach out to it. Surprisingly, I can do that at the same time I write. How deeply I realize I love you. I'm not naive enough to believe when it takes all of me, we can be together. I know when it does, you will be gone. But for now, I am diving for pearls in the depths of your eyes. I've already found some good ones. Both arms are gone now. I'm writing with my mind. Really, I am. I have your chin cupped in my palms. I lean forward and kiss your forehead. I love you, I whisper. But you can't hear me, because you're not really here. Hot stuff, huh? <clears throat> Check it out. All right. Um, and this is called Open Letter. To whom it may concern, wandering homeless with forgotten names, looking for the smallest corners to love your lonely, there's more to you than trickle-down indifference, cobwebs propping up walls, lost gazes, and a need to vanish. You are more than prayers for sanity in a language of distractions, highways and lifelines mapped with the cultural abrasion of a nine-to-five strange land. There are light years from your Achilles heels to your broken toenails. I've seen you walk on spinning earth between rain droplet stasis, two foggy windowpane fingertips from infinity, dead weight thoughts capsized in your brainstorm, palms lifted upward, rain still in the air, stamping creation fingerprint by fingerprint in each frozen splash. You know the love of a handlebar grip and two gentle bicycle wheels held together by one great human frame, strike twice lightning flash photography, a waterfall halo, a real motion picture. 
Your velocity is a chorus of keys on kite strings. Anticipation hovering over the last falling phoenix ash. Surprises aquamarine eyes and tomorrow-colored hair. When confidence drains out of your palms, the stigmata of impossible places your head to rest on jagged worry, and each trembling breath brings more pollution than the last. Remember that suspended rain. Every fluid pearl dying to touch your skin. Remember petals fitted to your revolutions, a canvas of gathered light kissing thunderclap echoes. Remember what it is to ignite into a split-second eternal galaxy, one brilliant spiraling synapse, infinite potential to discover electricity. Thank you. Spike Daly, ladies and gentlemen, give him a hand. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome Michael Bradley to the stage. This is one of my dream poems. I call it The Old Man. I see him from afar, sitting in the chair, or is it a throne? Old man looks as if his ursers are thrown. White beard, high forehead, a thoughtful expression on his face, serene, gazing into infinity, as if sitting on judgment. I move around in front of him, but I am afraid to speak to him. He smiles faintly. Whether it me or some thought that has amused him, I cannot fathom. I wonder who he is and why I'm standing there in front of him. I puzzle over it for a while. So we come to a conclusion. The old man is me. Thank you. Michael Bradley, ladies and gentlemen, give him a hand. Nate Goldeisen, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Nate to the stage. All right, well, I was on a road trip. This isn't it, but I was on a road trip in, uh, to a music festival and uh, met a couple guys. Um, I had my band, and then we, I met these guys, and uh, they're called Law Dispute. And I didn't know they were, like, really pretty well known, and they're, they're rad. They're really cool. And... Uh, their uh, lyrics, um, he writes pretty poetically, and he, uh, he yells it, and it's pretty cool. I like it. So I'm going to do one of his. Um, the band's called Law Dispute. Out where the stones lay like bones by the ocean. Out where the waves crash contempt on the land. Someone was trembling for fear of the tempest. Somebody silently reached for their hand. Said, understand that if you're cold, I'll keep you warm. And besides, there's so much beauty in a storm. So come down with me to the shore. And what's more, 
I adore you. So tell me, what is there to fear? You think from some seraph from above is trying to rob us of our love because the sky is not clear? My dear, you know there's not. Now listen to the rain upon the rooftop. But the wind picked up. Out where the stones stand up like thrones beside the ocean. Out where the waves make a grave of the sea. The lovers struggled in the middle of the tempest. And water angrily crawled up onto the beach. Said, hold my hand and stay with me. We'll be released. But the tide clunk like an anchor to her feet. And though he tried to make the water line recede, it pulled her out into the sea. He could not break apart the waves to bring her safely back in. He watched her neck and hand break through the surface once, then disappear again. Forever wait inside the sea for me, my dear, I hear you. You speak in every curling wave and sing in every violent breeze. Some day, not far away from here, my dear, I swear I'll see you. And we will hear the seraphs cry, for they will still envy you and I. How they envied you and I. How they envied you and I. How they envied you and I. Thank you. Nate Goldeisen, ladies and gentlemen. Give him a hand. And please welcome Ryan to the stage. Got three poems for you tonight. I believe in ghosts, in the torturous existence of hangovers who outlived their whiskey galunking hosts, lingering in the chilly interior of clandestine model houses where nobody lives during the daytime. It's a curse you muttered under your breath, a shape you made with your mouth, the terrible stiffness of your smile that made me ask you, where do you live? Not here in this house though its frost has filled the hollows under your eyes. And you exhale its frigid presence with every breath. No, not here in this house, though you soaked its silence into your pores, and now every word you breathe is quiet, even when you shout, not here in this house, where your fingers and toes are numb, and you have none of your original luster, and your voice doesn't carry like it should. Where do you live? Um... These other two poems, uh, I consider optimistic because I was happy when I wrote them. <laughs> uh, you asked me if you could come over today. I said no. You asked me why. I said because I'm happy. You said what? I said I'm happy. I'd like it to last for once. I set the phone down for 15 seconds so I wouldn't have to listen to your shocked silence. Does this mean we're over? You were asking when I picked it up again. Does this mean we're over and done with? I hope so, I said. I've got to go now. I won't be home tomorrow. Call me then. That way on Thursday, when I'm sad and lonely, I can listen to your voicemail messages. And on Friday, when I finally get around to calling you back, we can be mad together. Doesn't that sound fun? On second thought, maybe you'd better come over now. I'm feeling a bit despondent. You didn't say another word. There was only the harsh clump of the phone as you set it violently on the rack. I rejoiced at that awful sound. I had finally gotten rid of you. 
I felt oddly guilty, but continued to be happy. One more. I'm going to hold you captive out here in the rain. You want to go home to your warm, dry, comfortable house, but I'm making you stand and talk to me. You are cold and wet and miserable, and I don't care. You think I'm a nice guy because I'm smiling and saying nice things, but you hate me because I'm happier than you. You want to run away, but I would chase you. You want to hit me, but you know I wouldn't hit you back. You want to love me, but you love yourself more. I like being in the rain with you. Together we make such optimists. I hope we die. I hope we kiss and then the world ends. I don't want to watch you retreat into the gray night, wondering when next I'll see you. So I'll stall you with small talk until we both have pneumonia. And sooner or later, you'll have to admit you're glad. That is Ryan, ladies and gentlemen, right there. I couldn't find you, Jeff, to warn you that you were next. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome Jeff Hanks to the stage. This is called uh, The Day That I Imagined You Naked. Tell me, do you slide your tongue across the faces of her teeth because you're nervous of this? Or is it just dying to get out that sliver of spinach gasping between as if it's the one and only possible saboteur of this evening? In actuality, it's more like your own personal bad luck bait, like you assume it's taken my gaze away from the things you say, but you just aren't listening when my body language tells you it's truly the very least of my concerns. So I plead to you, in my mind at least, to ease into your seat and tell me exactly how many times you've stayed up all night to make sure you see the sun peak as intimately as if it was meant for only you to witness the, ye the lovers of yellow and blue meet, I hope. You falter with your words a few times. I hope your voice cracks and I can see inside of that tiny hole into your soul before you cover it up with a quick cough. I hope you order a beer as dark as a blouse you're trusting to keep you warm inside but just chilly enough outside so I'll give you my fleece jacket as we stumble to your house. I hope your doorstep has a multicolored mat bearing a tame pun so I can know just how much you enjoy your first impressions when salesmen arrive. I hope you toss your keys across the kitchen counter, let them slide and cling against the jars of various olives you have no intention of eating. I hope you yawn and stretch so statuesque as your fingertips feel the warmth of the sheet of air against the ceiling and for a soothing second you are vulnerable. I hope you look for a bottle of Merlot but fail and we settle for sharing popcorn and childhood memories with a muted television screen instead. I hope our hands go for the same greasy kernel and they touch and tremble without us knowing as if they have their own desperate hearts. I hope the bookshelf in your living room is full but the one in your bedroom is almost empty and the books that once belonged there are now scattered throughout the kitchen and the patio and the backseat of your sedan and one under your bed just in the shadow so I know you dropped it when you fell asleep last night. I hope you have dried blots of toothpaste on your coral hallway carpet so I can tell that dancing and brushing go hand in hand for you too. I hope your movies are arranged by color of the case and not alphabetically. And I hope you've only seen half of them. I hope you have several crumpled up balls of lined notebook paper inside the wastebasket in a nook of your room and a few on the ground next to it because no one has perfect game. I hope you have one previously crumpled up piece of paper flattened out and pinned on your cork board alongside two ticket stubs to the Mariners game where you caught your first home run ball and a shopping list that contains only cheap tequila and number two pencils. I hope one side of your bed isn't made. I hope this is stuffed farm animal on the other. I hope I sit down on the edge of your side and cross my legs and they don't shake. 
I hope you play a dusty record and Sigur Ros obliterates the airwaves in the room and nothing else is spoken between us. I hope that you sit next to me and the bed squeaks and we both sink into the springs and stare straight ahead at the exact same thing and I hope it's something that has to do with outer space. Some obscure quote by Carl Sagan or, or Neil deGrasse Tyson. And I hope that in the exact moment in all of human history, we both comprehend and accept how utterly tiny and insignificant we are to everything except for each other. I hope that you make the first move. I hope that your kiss just misses the crevice of my lips and you know you fucked it up, so you release such a small smile. And then instead of seeing your smile with my eyes, I feel it against my mouth because I've never, I've never felt one like that before. I hope you dim the lights just enough so I can still recognize our intertwined shadows on the naked wall next to us. I hope I'm locked in your sight when you take your shirt off. I hope your curled blonde hair gets caught in the cotton seams and unwinds down towards your bare shoulder blades. I hope I conquer the clasp on the first try. I hope that right here, right now, the music stops playing, the TV static from the, li- from the living room dies, the crickets outside take a water break. The city sounds are smothered, and we live in complete silence for 60 seconds, amazed at the sights in front of each other. We reach our hands out to each other's faces, almost as if we were babies again. I hope for these things, while you're still struggling with the spinach between your teeth. That is Jeff Hanks, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Steve to the stage. Again, Bob's a gifted psychic because I had a calling to read a poem tonight, which I'm going to read, and I didn't know why I was going to read it. So anyway, uh, he, was, he was talking, I spent a lot of time with whales, and uh, sailed with whales and done all kinds of things, and 10 years ago, 13 gray whales showed up on Bellingham Bay, and they spent a half a year up here. So I got to go out with them 100 days, and I would sail with them, got to know them, named them all, and they each would individually come up to the ship, and they'd swim up and greet you, and then they'd go off and they'd feed, and it was really cool, and you could spend the whole afternoon with them, it was just amazing. And had a hundred amazing experiences, but one of them really stood out. And that was one night we were out, it's calm as glass, I was standing on the bow of my yacht, and this guy paddled out, and he's from Boston, and the whales were all around feeding, and everything was really cool and calm. And this idiot's like, oh, I'm so afraid to be out here with these whales. And everybody yelled at him, and one guy said the best thing I've ever heard. He said, look, they don't even have teeth. What are you afraid of? And so, you know, that kind of calmed him down, and then he went paddling off in his kayak. Well, whales are tremendously intelligent. Okay, their brain weighs 200 pounds. Your brain weighs 2 pounds. Do the math. So, anyway, this guy takes off, and he's paddling along. Well, they're they're like a horse, and they know if you're afraid of them. And if they know you're afraid, they're going to mess with you. So he's paddling along in his kayak, and this big bull whale comes along, and it just surfaced and it just picked him right up out of the water on his back. Now the guy has a choice. He can either roll off the whale into the cold water or he can hang on the whale and ride the whale. And the whale took him for a long time before it put him back gently. And while the whale was carrying this guy across the bay on his back, we were all laughing our guts out. And we were also yelling helpful advice like, hey, put that whale down. Don't you know that's illegal? (laughs) 
So anyway, he, uh, even he understood that he'd been had. He understood exactly what the whale was doing, and so it was just funny as hell. Well, anyway, so I wrote this poem about that, and tonight, since the subject of whales came up, it's amazing, Bob. So anyway, the perpetual chorus. The whale sang to me last night. The voices rang out on this and every night this spring. Astrid's hull captures the whale's voices, focuses them like a lens, and the locus of this ethereal music is my home. The whales feed just off the breakwater of Astrid's birth, and every night they sing to my dreams. Whales live perpetually in a state of magnificent benevolence while I wax and wane throughout the gambit of human emotions. Over the years, we have come to know each other well, yet I have never ceased to marvel at their gentleness or their saintly state of being. This year has been rich. For 100 days, I have sailed with whales. Forty times, I have stood on the deck of my ship and introduced a human to their first whale. The reason why people are so thrilled with cetaceans is that a whale's gentleness is so advanced that to be near them allows people to transcend their very humanness. And for a moment, people are aware of the world community of all species. Unlike most humans, I do not visit whales. I live with whales. The whales and I are neighbors. We are brothers and sisters of the sea, and we all live within the gentle embrace of Poseidon's domain. Countless times I've had a great gray whale bull rise within five feet of me, and as remarkable as a 30-ton whale is, there is a deeper thrill that comes with time. And when the initial rush wears off, it is replaced by a more profound feeling. And this state does not dissipate when the whales migrate. For over a decade, I prepared my supper while the whales dove for theirs. And together we witness the sunset splendor grow as brave Helios drives his steeds home. As the years, come, as the years go by, the whales come and go like the ebb and flow of the tide. And every year a gift they leave. Into my heart more of their gentle nature they do weave. They have taught me to transcend humanness and learn of a whale's magnificent state of being. I've come to cherish my time with these mentors. It is well we walk this path together, for I could never envision walking this path alone. Steve Millward, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome Boris to the stage. Oh, thank you. I have two tonight by uh, Sylvia Plath. The Everlasting Monday. And it begins with an epigraph. Thou shalt have an everlasting Monday and stand in the moon. The moon's man stands in his shell, bent under a bundle of sticks. The light falls chalk and cold upon our bedspread. His teeth are chattering among the leprous peaks and craters of those extinct volcanoes. He also, against black frost, would pick sticks, would not rest until his own lit room outshone Sunday's ghost of sun, now works his hell of Mondays in the moon's ball, fireless, seven chill seas chained to his ankle. Oh, we clap for Sylvia Plath, because she's great. This is the last one, the net menders. 
halfway up from the little harbor of sardine boats, halfway down from groves where the thin, bitter almond pips fatten in green pocked pods, the three net menders sit out, dressed in black, everybody in mourning for someone. They set their stout chairs back to the road and face the dark dominoes of their doorways. Sun grains their crow colors, purples the fig in the leaf's shadow, turns the dust pink. On the road named for Tomas Otunio, Micah winks like money under the ringed toes of the chickens. The houses are white as sea salt goats lick from the rocks. While their fingers work with the coarse mesh and the fine, their eyes revolve the whole town like a blue and green ball. Nobody dies or is born without their knowing it. They talk of bride lace, of lovers, spunky as gamecocks. The moon leans, a stone Madonna, over the lead sea and the iron hills that enclose them. Earthen fingers twist old words into the web threads. Tonight may the fish be a harvest of silver in the nets, and the lamps of our husbands and sons move sure among the low stars. Thanks. That is Boris, ladies and gentlemen. And that is our show. Let's keep it going for all the people who performed for you this evening. All the poets. The crocodiles. The Verbergs. What did you do? Oh, I went to the poetry reading. No, you Audience, you are. I'm gonna put you on a shelf. Come back next week.